1: Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. 20 minutes a day, 365
2: days a year. A day podcast.
3: What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley, uh, following a Green Bay Packers victory versus the Pittsburgh Steelers now two days ago. Uh, my co-host and myself are going to go over Uh, Just kind of our thoughts and then dive a little bit deeper into this team after a quarter of a a quarter of the way through the season. Kind of. If you don't count that seven, that throws off everything, man. Um, But joined as always by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Uh, Ross, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. I mean, difficult to, uh, you know, not be doing well after um, this weekend win for the Packers. Win for North Dakota State over North Dakota, you know what that means. You're familiar with that one. I am familiar with that one. That was a
3: that was a fun little victory for the Bison over the Fighting Hawks of University of North Dakota in Grand Forks. But uh, yeah, exciting game. And I'm with you. Yeah, it's it's been a while since. Oh gosh, it's been I think uh, I've tracked this before It's been a long time since the Packers and the Bison Both lost in the same weekend um, But it has happened And those are <laughs> really sad weekends But these are the weekends that we're more familiar with Is a Bison Blizzard. win And a Packers w- victory as well uh, But we were just talking about This Packers victory And we don't really need to go too far into the details Because um, if, you want, if you want That analysis You can check out yesterday's Pack-A-Day episode where they really you know look at the game in itself but um a couple things that i think are important to talk about because you know new time has shed some new light on the situation um the big one obviously being jair alexander um and ross you're way more optimistic than i am on this whole deal because just before we were going into this i basically was like i think he's done and you're like i don't think it's that big of a deal and what we found out today is essentially nothing. And I think as body, body language police, like we kind of always are, the thing that I thought was interesting is uh, LeFleur talking about trying to get opinion still on the shoulder. And for me, that is that that sends off a, a signal in my my mind, just because I think when you're talking about that AC joint, that shoulder joint that basically connects your arm to your shoulder. Uh, there's basically three different levels, and I'm, and I'm not a doctor, but this is um, stuff that I've read about. And this is actually an injury that I've experienced myself. Um, I, I actually had an AC sprain when I would play football in high school, and it's not fun. And mine wasn't even nearly as bad as what would happen if I would have hit Najee Harris. My God, that man's huge um but you look at the level 1s not that big of a deal level 2 is you know probably a little bit more of a big deal something that you would come back for and a level 3 is something that you would need surgery on and would all but end your season and so my point was if they're still gathering opinions to me that they that says to me that it's either a level 2 or 3 and they're trying to decide whether or not they need surgery on it which would then like i said effectively end his season i hope i'm wrong and Ross I started with that because I was the bad news guy, uh, but you have a little bit more optimistic look on this um, and, and kind of walk me through why are, you, why are you more optimistic than I am after hearing what we heard today?
2: I mean, I, I just kind of saw, you know, him flexing and, and sort of being able to move around and being upbeat and not that he would necessarily know, you know, obviously what, what an x-ray might show or whatever, MRI, whatever they did. Um, but he just seemed to be in good spirits, you know. Um and ultimately too, you know, Garofalo and, and Rampaport are uh pretty plugged into the league. They both mentioned not specifically, but like uh, when when uh Rappasheed mentioned that Yosh Nijman was probably gonna start at left tackle, he didn't just come out and say it. You know, he kind of came out and said that potentially some good news for the Packers on the Jair Alexander front, basically, when when it wasn't a collarbone. Um and if you're talking the end of the season, then what the hell's the difference between an AC sprain and, and a collarbone? I don't care what's broken if he's gone all year. So I, I just think um, ultimately, you know, a lot of those the worst case scenario is six to eight weeks. E- even even some of the worst AC sprain. And now look that that's a that's a season changing. A problem for the Packers if he really misses eight weeks and which would be I think seven games I'm not 100 percent sure on where the bye week is but I think missing eight weeks would be seven games that's that's a season changer because he's that good and your other corners are that bad um but I'm not I'm not ready to believe that Jair's shut down for the season I, I just think um you know coach is probably covering all his bases and also the other thing LaFleur is just not very forthcoming with injury stuff. He's just not. And that's fine. I mean, you know, I think that's like Belichick listing Brady questionable with a shoulder for 12 straight years or whatever he did. Like, I think some coaches just view all information as information they don't want out there. And, and that might be this coach. I Just body language from Jair, um, his ability to kind of move it around after it got put back in place. I just refuse to believe that that's a season-ending situation now that we know it's not a broken collarbone.
3: Yeah, and I hope you're right on that. And, and just, yeah, let's leave it at that. I, ho- I hope you're right. And you just look at this Packers team, and they have, they have premium players at premium positions, and the bad, the bad luck with injuries has to eventually stop. I mean, you talk about you know one of the top three left tackles in the league. Gets hurt in practice last year. Okay. You plug in your all all everything left guard, and he plays really well at left tackle. Oh, now he's hurt. So there is your second elite player at an elite position. And now Jair goes down uh with an injury as well. Uh it's just not just it just kind of sucks, you know. But that is the nature of the NFL, though, too. And I think uh I don't know who it was, someone I think it might have been Nagler. I was looking at just tweets, and he just kind of like, you know what? This is everyone, everyone is dealing with injuries. Because that is pro football. That is the men's league, right? As Pat McAfee would say, "Guys get hurt, they go down. You got to step up. You got to look at the Packers' 2010 season. If you think this is bad, this is nothing compared to that. They had uh, the most guys on the IR, on IR that year in the NFL. Still won a Super Bowl. Um, so it can be done. Guys have to step up. Guys need to step up, and they and they just might. Who knows? Um, but what I think is interesting.
2: Good. I will say this. That's that's not an over. That's not an injury they can overcome. It's just no. not. If if they if they actually lose him for the season, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. And you can print this on a T shirt. I don't like do whatever you need with this. That specific season-ending injury is not something they can overcome.
3: No, I think unless, you know, unless they would go out and, and make a blockbuster trade mid midseason and that guy comes in and plays at a top five level at that position, which J- which is what Jair is. So that's obviously why we, we hope for the best on that, because it would be absolutely devastating to lose a player of his caliber at a position like cornerback where he essentially can take away half the field. And and when it finally looks like the Packers have at least someone talented on the other end of the field, someone that might be able to carry the water a little bit more than what we've seen in the past in Eric Stokes. Um, And it would just be devastating to finally see that guy kind of start to come into his own in in his rookie year to lose your stud. So um, we we were hoping for the best. And I know he said Wednesday – he would have more news on that so i mean until then it's going to be all speculation so we, we will see um but ross i think it's interesting because we are like i said we're a quarter of the way through the season um, math is a little bit wonky now with the 17 games but we're essentially a quarter of a way into the season um, with four games being played and i think you can look at this team and start to say here are some trends that are starting to start, starting to form and take place and there are some things that we can kind of start to hang our hat on. Now, there's still a lot of football left, and this team will change a lot throughout the course of the year. Um, but I think it's fun to at least start talking about some of these guys that we, you know, maybe bookmarked before the year. And we can kind of just start to say, hey, are, are they good? Are this, is this player actually good? Is this player actually living up to the potential or to the essentially the hype that we put forth before them? And um, I think that's just going to be kind of a fun exercise. And I, I want to get your take on – um your your football crush. Um, if anyone has been following you on Twitter the last the last three hours, it has been all Devondre Campbell on the Ross Uglum Twitter feed and with good reason. He has been an absolute nightmare for opposing offenses. And Ross, I kinda wanna just get your take on this um and, and talk to us about, you know, why why is Devondre Campbell being able to play at such a such a high level right now four games into this season because he's you know he's not an old player but he's not like a, some young guy that uh we just didn't know about he's got a ton of football under his belt but it seems like he has raised the standard for himself this season and he's playing to a new standard um why do you think that is and what does that mean for this defense
2: uh <laughs> it's uh that's the crux right um we've been talking or i've been talking for I don't know how many years about how inside linebackers don't matter. And now they have one and uh, their defense still isn't very good. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't know if that proves my point or if it doesn't. But um, it is fun, I guess, to see somebody in that spot playing well. And he certainly is playing well. He has given up a number of catches, but he limits yak in a very big way. He is strong enough and long enough. Uh, to take on blockers and not get swallowed up like some Packers linebackers in the past. Uh, He's just been awesome, man. He has done everything that they could possibly ask. And I think, you know, as much, and this is, I think, something I've even mentioned before, but as much trash as I've talked and as folks have talked about Joe Barry's time as a defensive coordinator, um, he just hasn't been a bad linebackers coach ever. And I think was an excellent linebackers coach when he was with uh, the Rams. And, and I think, you know, got Corey Littleton paid, paid, got a number of guys there to play probably above their talent level. And I'm not saying Devondre Campbell is untalented. And and frankly, it's not like he's ancient. He's not some uh, vet that they're just sort of figuring out, you know, Ha- he's not thirty five, I guess is what I'm saying, you know. Uh the, the young man's twenty eight. He's right in his prime. It's certainly possible that this was just gonna be the linear development of him as a player, and eventually he would just kind of reach a peak that he never met in Arizona or in Atlanta. But I think, as I mentioned, Joe Barry is a very, very good linebackers coach, which is kind of the position he's helping out with. Obviously. Kirk Olavadotti is, is his his guy, but um, Campbell has just been everything they could have ever asked for. Really, any kind of signing at that spot, and, and specifically a street free agent. I mean, it's wild.
3: Yeah, and you look at you talk about just his athletic tools. I mean, this guy he is a he is a tall, you know, long, explosive athlete. Uh, he doesn't have the craziest of our RAS scores at six point two two, which is you know, but it's good. Um, what really kills him is his short shuttle. Looks like I mean, it's so bad. It's like I mean, he probably slipped. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but it's as far as like what he is as an athlete. He's no slouch. Like he's he's not a guy that you look at and say like oh, he's just a thumper. He's really not. He's he's got that four five. Sideline-to-sideline side speech with with the 6'5". You can see the
2: sideline-to-sideline to side stuff, you, too.
3: You can. And if you, if you haven't seen it, go check out Ross's Twitter feed right now. He's got all of it. Um, so it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him, and it's been kind of a surprise, I think, because not only did – I kind of thought Campbell would just be kind of the second fiddle type guy next to Chris Barnes, Chris Barnes being the guy to take the leap. But obviously with him hurt, we haven't seen as much out of him. And it has been Devondre, Devondre Campbell all the time. I don't know if he is. I don't know if he's not been in on a defensive snap this year. I think he's played almost every single snap. I'm it's sure it's possible. Yeah, it's, it's well possible. above. It's well above ninety percent. Um, so he, you know, getting a guy like that in June, mind you, in June is when they sign this dude. So that is uh, it seems like an absolute home run for the Green Bay Packers right now. So. Um, Good for them. They're doing great. Another guy that I think is interesting to talk about, um, and you kind of just talk about, is he good? Is he not good? What's going on with that, that that guy? And that is Rashawn Gary to me. And I think you look at some of the advanced st- stats and it, it, it would lend you to believe that he is good. He is very good. He's doing some stuff that no one else in the league is doing as far as pressures, pressure rate, all that stuff. But you watch the game, and he does disappear for stretches. It, it does seem like he's not out there for certain periods of time, which is kind of, you know, that's kind of how it goes with edge rushers. But, Ross, what what is your take so far on, you know, Rashawn Gary when all we heard all offseason was about Rashawn Gary is a superstar. Rashawn Gary is going to take over this year. Rashawn Gary is going to be the best, you know, Packers defender this year. Has he lived up to that hype?
1: a difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code PACADAY to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: Not right away, uh, but he was really, really good against Pittsburgh. And, again, uh, Ray, we talked about uh, PFF's grades not being, you know, being schedule dependent. Who are you playing? And that's one of the things that I think makes them not standardized, and we're not here to dump on PFF. In fact, I would say that you and I are probably more pro, pro football focused than a lot of folks um, as far as just, like, what we believe their value is. Mm -hmm. I mentioned – though about gary and just the nasty tackles that they've gone up against i mean elite dudes taron armstead ryan ramchick awesome penny sewell once they moved him back over to left tackle very very good uh they have you know they've faced dudes uh in in even in trent williams i think is is just an absolutely amazing football player and mike mcglinchey doesn't suck either Now they finally got a game against tackles that maybe aren't great, and he was dominant. I mean, three pressures, one quarterback hit, one freak show sack, um, and probably should have drawn a couple of holding penalties, specifically the one where he was in a headlock, and uh, they ended up calling, I think, pass interference on Eric Stokes despite the legitimate headlock uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers' left tackle. He was very, very, very good. Like I said, three pressures, a sack, a quarterback knockdown, arguably should have had uh, a penalty drawn. And then in the run game, man, he set a hard edge. He was good in pursuit. All three of his tackles were uh, marked as stops by pro football focus, meaning the play from a down and distance perspective resulted in an offensive failure. He was very, very, very good um, on Sunday in a way that I don't think he had been through the first three weeks.
3: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said there. I think with him and you you talk about the sack that he had versus Dan Moore. And, you know, I had put a tweet out before this game that basically just hit on what you just said, like Trent Williams, uh, Armstead, Sewell. Dudes. Dan Moore. <laughs> you know, yeah. something's off. Something's no, a little like bit that. different here. And yeah, and he's a rookie. He's, he's figuring things out, but – uh, Rashad Gary is not a rookie. He is a guy that you expect to, to take advantage of those matchups. Um, I think, I think his next step in his development will be being more impactful against elite offensive tackles in the NFL. But, um, you look at his athletic profile, his physical profile, you read it, and that sack where he basically sacked all of probably 300 pound pushing, uh, Van Roethlisberger with, 330 pound Dan Moore in his lap as well. And he just tackled both of them. And you look at his physical profile and you say, well, what does that mean? That, that's what that means. Like that, that's the type of player that you should get out of that type of physical profile with those types of athletic tools, where he is explosive, powerful with that type of density. He should be able to run through guys, um, do that once a game. You know, just put a guy on skates, get to the quarterback. And so I think that is exciting for the future. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing with, with Eric Stokes starting to ascend a little bit as well is okay, cool. You got all these guys. Oh, wait. Then your other guy gets hurt. <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of like with Zidaris, how much fun it would be to have him and Rashawn out there with Preston. Um, who, and Preston's playing good football too. So it's, it, it is, you know, it's, it's too bad, but it's good, co- it's good to see Rashawn Gary start to take some of those steps. Uh, another guy that I want to talk about, also on the defensive side of the ball, Janen Sullivan. Someone that I have gone, gone out and maybe jumped the gun prematurely and said, "Hey, I think this guy's really good." Uh, Ross, I don't think I'm. I don't think I need to try to dress it up at all. And I think I know exactly what you're going to say. Janon Sullivan has not been good.
2: No, no. Um, you know, I, I get it. He was excellent as a dime when they had Tramon in 2019. Uh, 2020, he got installed as a full time nickel. It was bad, it was bad in the second half specifically. It got worse in the playoffs. It has been as bad, if not worse, uh, through four games. Um, this year, I mean, it's just he's not playing well, and there's really no sugarcoating it, there's no way around it. Um, no matter how you slice it, you want to talk PFF, we can talk PFF of the corners that have played at least 80 snaps. I think we just looked it up. He ranks hundredth. Well, you guys can figure that out. Even in today's day and age, where we say there are 96 starting corners, you know, because of the nickel position means he shouldn't start on any NFL team means Every roster, or should and theoretically, there's three guys better than him for every 32 teams. 96 guys, 96 would be dead last. He's hundredth. It's it's not a good situation. Period. And and you, all right. Well, PFF sucks. We hate PFF. PFF is trash. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, What are the what are the stats look like? Uh, The stats don't look great, folks. He's got a passer rating against of 134.1. That's a problem, okay? Uh, The the, the man right now is giving up 14 catches on 16 targets, including a touchdown. For, by the way, 13 yards per reception. Not a good situation still. I mean, those aren't really – like, they're a little bit subjective in that maybe you can attribute – a catch to a guy incorrectly i guess you know you maybe you can if it's zone you know if it's not a man if it's zone you could maybe be misattributing uh, reception for example like when king and stokes gave up that touchdown against the lions there is a argument about whose fault that was uh on twitter i think ultimately actually lafleur ended that argument and said it was uh on 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 King and not on Stokes, which was fine, whatever. But then at that point, if if like Pro Football Focus assigns that statistic to, um, it assigns that statistic to Channing, then that's wrong. But through three games, Channing's a minus one overall for Andy Herman. Compare that to plus point six five for Eric Stokes. Or plus three point four five for Jair Alexander. If you understand Andy Herman's grades, like no, there's just no advanced statistic, no grading system, no eye test right now. that Chandon Sullivan is passing as the Packers' nickel cornerback, and I don't know how else to sort of relay that to people.
3: Right, and you know, people get people get upset about PFF because they say, you know, well, how can you have a standardized test or grade when you know, the sample is different. You're playing different people and, and all that. And, like, some of that is true because, obviously, your grade's going to be, like, Rashawn Garrett, we just talked about, him. his grade's going to be lower against Teron Armstead than it is against Dan Moore. That's just football, folks. Like, that is how it works. Teron Armstead is a better football player. Um, so, obviously, Gary's going to lose some reps. You know, like, that's just how it works. But, like, with Chandon, Ross, who's, who's the slot guy that, you know, you got Debo, who they did a good job against, but I don't think that was really chanted. And who's the guy that that you look at and say, like, well, he's doing bad because this guy's so good. Like it, it, he's he's doing he's doing poorly against average NFL talent, and that's the big concern for me.
2: Yeah, and and he, the, the honestly too, Jake, this is a huge issue about Ja because if Jair's available you can try King outside with Stokes and Jair in the slot and really shut the slot down. Mm-hmm. Or you can do Stokes and Jair outside and, and continue the Kevin King in the slot experiment. I don't think that's going to go great, but you can sure try it. You can try John Charles in the slot, although he got some outside corner reps, which is interesting. Um, certainly not interesting. is er, Interesting in the sense that I think all Packers – knowledgeable fans if you will and I know that sounds kind of condescending it's not really what I mean by that but like people that sort of understand the draft and scouting and athleticism etc really slotted him as a nickel guy but basically all of his work in college at Appalachian State was outside so it's not insane that Shamar would play outside it's not bonkers but I think most people see him as a nickel well him as a nickel at this point, Sullivan's so bad, I would rather just see what they have in John Charles, and then you can have Stokes and Jaw outside. And, yeah, that, that is starting Junior Alexander and two rookies. But I don't care. It's, yeah, and I, it's okay, at It's after with Chandon now that I just want to see something else.
3: I remember talking to Eric Crocker this offseason, doing pre-draft stuff, and just talking about this Joe Barry, you know, heavy cover two-type scheme. And we we're talking the the converse, the topic was Asante Samuel, the 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 stud rookie, you know, out of Florida State and how two time
2: added. two time defensive rookie of the week, super yeah. duper star.
3: Awesome player. And he was awesome at Florida State. And I think if if you if you spent the time watching him, you just you fall in love with his game. And the conversation and the question that was brought up is in this Packers defense, in this Joe Barry cover two defense. Is he a slot only guy? And I remember Eric, who if you don't know who Eric Crocker is way smarter than me, you know, played corner in the NFL, just his understanding of the game is much beyond mine, even and he's just talking about in that defense, it doesn't really matter. Like Asante can play outside in that Joe Barry cover, too. Some of these typical, more, you know, smaller slot type guys can, can, if they're smart, if they're savvy players, can, can play on the outside. And maybe that has something to do with him taking some outside reps. Maybe they think he can play out there. Um, And so who knows? But I think the other, the other kind of, you know, the white horse riding in to kind of save the Packers' nickel corner position is I think a lot of people are putting their, stock into the Vernon Scott wagon, which, I, you know, I don't know if that's wise or not. I honestly have no idea. I think Vernon Scott had some nice reps when he when he got in last year and, and looked good at times in this preseason. Um, but essentially saying, okay, well, Vernon Scott's going to save this, you know, that nickel position because he's going to come in and be that safety three and let Savage play more of that slot. Maybe, maybe, you know, that's, that's an option. But uh, without Jair, uh, those options certainly get, you know, they look a lot different
2: they do 100 i mean 100% they do they they absolutely do i think um henry black's been okay honestly uh in the role that they've had him in he is i believe yet to give up a catch um yet to be targeted too but uh his issues are more with tackling i think than anything else as that deep safety but the, he hasn't been exposed yet so um that's that's a good thing, right? (laughs) I guess. Uh, I don't know. I've been, I've been impressed with him, I guess. I've been impressed with his ability to um, I've been impressed with his ability to not get killed. I mean, I know that sounds simple, but when you are in that position as an undrafted player, it's important to look like you belong. And I think he kind of does.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's looked good in spurts. And like you said, it's sometimes sometimes you're not being exposed because people haven't tested you because you're doing well. Sometimes it's because they haven't found you. You know, and it, yeah. it's just his sample size is small. And, and it'll be the same with Scott when he gets back. Um, he can look good. And it's kind of the same with even Stokes. You know, we've seen Stokes up and down. And I think now that he's got some actual film out there, uh, I mean, God, ben, ben targeted him 15 times. He knew exactly. What he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. Hitches uh, for days, football.
2: and Pitches. honestly, Pitches if, for if,
3: days. If and if he, you know, if he hits uh, Juju on that that long pass, we're t- talking about a lot different, differently about Stokes today, um, even with the pick. But I think with Stokes, you know, we've talked about him already. The, the promise is there. I think everyone. Um, that's watched him. You can see the talent, and I think with any of these young guys, you, you have to look at them and what are you doing well? What What are your highs look like? Um, because you maybe don't play that high all the time, uh, but it does always level out. And I think you know some of Stokes' lows um, are fixable, and I think a lot of it is experience. Because man he he has been way he's been way better at playing the ball in the air than I than I thought maybe he would have coming out of Georgia, but also. My man was hardly ever targeted at, at Georgia, so it, it's tough to even kind of get into that. But the last guy I want to talk about, um, and I think he just is not getting talked about enough within this offense um, and what he's brought to what he's brought to the table for this team as far as being a rock's just rock solid, steady guy. Um, and so uh, with that, I mean. Billy Turner. Man. I, I was going to try to eloquently come into that, but the dude, Billy Turner has been. I mean, you, you could argue that he has been one of their most important offensive players this season at right tackle. He my man has been lights out. He's been great. I mean, he he basically and essentially took T.J. Watt out of that game. And we were talking about this pre-show, like how. T.J. Watt's box stats, you know, that that looked good, but that includes a trip that he got a sack and a pressure on. Um, yeah. That Bill, Billy was absolutely whooping his ass on that rip. That's why he stuck his leg out because my man was going nowhere. Um, but, you know, just talk to the value of, of, of a Billy Turner coming in and playing for this football team and what he's been able to do on that right side of the offensive line.
2: It's tremendous. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who's, who's given up two sacks, one of them as you mentioned was trash um over the course of four games playing dogs by the way like t- t- bad dudes d ford uh J- tj watt mostly on his side you know they they rush melvin ingram for the other side both of the the guys from new orleans are dudes you know i don't i don't know that detroit has pass rushers but 3 of the four games mfers yeah coming off of that left end and you know 154 pass block snaps man 154 two sacks one of them bs that's that's getting it done and that's that's getting it done with a guy that you know can play anywhere uh outside of really i guess center just probably just because he he hasn't uh he, You know, um, right tackle all this year, but you go back to 2020, my guy has 363 snaps at left tackle, 244 snaps at uh, right guard, 423 snaps at right tackle. Go back to 2019, uh, we got 1,200 snaps at right guard. This, This man can play everywhere. Uh, you know, 448 snaps at left guard for Denver in 2018. This, this he he has done it all, and right now he's doing it at a higher level, arguably than he has in his entire, in his entire career. As he just kind of peaks at uh, uh, what will be year 30, as he's got a birthday coming up in two weeks.
3: Yeah, he's only 30. Like that's that's still pretty young.
2: He'll be turning 30, not turning 31. He's turning 30.
3: Right. Yeah, that's – that's, and I think when you talk about the future of this team, a lot of people want to say, well, hey, uh, Elton J gets to right tackle. He, he could be an all-pro there. He, he I could. I, I agree. I agree. He absolutely could. But Billy Turner, like, guy, I mean, guys like him, they don't grow on trees. Like, I think the tackle play has been so good in Green Bay that we are spoiled. And I think because Billy played guard his first year and was – you know, dubbed by some to be the weak link of that offensive line, which I really don't think he was. But he's been so good since he moved out to right tackle. Like, I don't know why you mess with him, especially this season. Like, that idea idea from fans, I don't get. And, you know, for this season, the Packers absolutely needed him to be rock solid at right tackle. You know, Billy, we got – a mess going on on the left side. We've got Elton out there. We've got Yosh out there. Now, we need you to be a rock-solid contributor on the right side, and he has absolutely stepped up and done that, and albeit next to a rookie fourth-round right guard who, at times, I mean, has looked overwhelmed at times, but but Billy has has not wavered. He has not failed. He has been just such a such a pros pro for this team, and so you look at the future of this team, and him only being thirty. I mean, an offensive lineman play. You know, they they can play till they're thirty three, 33, 34. and so if you think you can get three more years out of Billy at right tackle playing at this level, I kind of get the argument of just keeping out. I
2: would I would bless him with two years, twenty million in a heartbeat, in, yeah. in a heartbeat.
3: So, same. And I think, you know, people want to... And you know what? May, maybe the Packers do say, hey, we're going to move on from him because we 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 think we can go cheaper. Like, I could see that happening. But I also have a hard time envisioning next season where Billy Turner is, is not one of your best five offensive linemen. And if your mantra is we are going to play the best five, even if you want to kick out now to right tackle, Billy's still going to probably be one of your best five at one of those interior spots. And I just... You know what a good problem to have. I get that, like, and so I, wouldn't,
2: you I wouldn't move on from Billy either. But you're you're trusting Adam Stenovich and you're saying that Royce Runyon, Elton Myers, Bach is good enough. Yeah, and, it and might it's, be and it's relatively, used. it's relatively cheap because the only guy making any money is Bach. So. I, for, I do, I do get that for next year. Next,
3: next year is when you start talking about Elton extending. Right? <laughs> That's you would hope, and he's yeah. going to
2: back that truck right up. Yeah, he's going to
3: give him a check and say, "You want to keep me? This is what I want." And the right. Packers are probably going to have to say, "Okay, yeah, okay there, buddy."
2: <laughs> exactly. Which
3: you know, you want to get deep into the weeds. You want to talk about uh Packers. We're if they are real smart.
2: We're thirty-six minutes in. We're we're in the weeds. We're in the weeds.
3: We're well I'm just say this is the last thing I'm gonna say is if you yeah. want to say hey Elton we think you're a guard we think you're a guard we're gonna we played Joe left guard all last year we've got Billy we, we think you're a guard we're gonna play you like a guard Um, maybe they gets that but Kansas City also really screwed that up by paying uh Joe three basically left tackle money at guard so thanks Kansas City uh, but we're we're out of time Casey Hayward just made another play and I am sad uh, so <laughs> Uh, so that's that's all for our, us today guys thank you for joining us um, we'll catch you in a couple weeks and until then go pack up.